here, uh, Luke 7, 18 through 30, and we've been focusing on John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist was the last prophet of Israel. He's the one who prepares the way for the coming of the Messiah, who, who teaches us who the Messiah is supposed to be, what we're supposed to expect, and also how to respond to him. And so let's pray before we begin. Thank you, Jesus, that we can celebrate at this time your coming. And I pray that this message from your word would bind up the brokenhearted, would make us appreciate at a new depth everything that you are to us and how life-changing your gospel is. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was uh, 18 years old, I was making my way through the classic books, like the, the Penguin classic books, Iliad, Beowulf, all that kind of stuff. And, and I thought I would give, you know, a sci-fi classic a go, The Invisible Man. And so I went to the store, and uh, I saw it on the shelf, The Invisible Man, Ralph Ellison, and I, I picked it up. Thank you, Mark. And, and I started reading it, and about three chapters in, it became clear that nobody was going to turn invisible in this book. Because I did not get The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells, but Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. And to be honest with you, my 18-year-old self was disappointed. Now, for those of you who don't know, Ralph Ellison's book is a classic in its own right. The guy's invisible, not because of a lab accident or some, some, something like that, but because he's an African-American man in the 1950s and nobody can see him, okay? Powerful, powerful book. But my 18-year-old self was like, no one's invisible. Do I keep reading? Is it, is it worth the putting up with the, the trudge through this super long 200-page book? <laughs> it wasn't what I was expecting, and I felt disappointed. When, when the text that we're going to look at today, it's going to sound so wrong, but you're going to see it's the case. John the Baptist, the last prophet of Israel, was disappointed in who he thought the Messiah was. We're going to see that Jesus in some way, was not living up to expectations. Look with me at verse 18. So the disciples of John reported all these things to him. Remember that, these things. They reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Now, those of you who have been here for this, for this sermon series... Know that this phrase, the one who is to come, John's been saying there's one who is to come whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. There's one who's coming who's the one we're waiting for. Yeah, I'm a prophet. I'm nothing compared to him. This is what we're waiting for. And, and, and John, he believed this so much. He, he, he got this call from God and he goes out to the wilderness Risking his neck, because if you look back at the, the prophets of Israel, things didn't, they didn't have good lives, folks. You know, like, oh, I want to be as, as awesome as Jeremiah. You don't want to be Jeremiah. You don't. Okay, so he, he obeys God. He becomes a prophet. He's proclaiming his heart out about the coming Messiah. And then when Jesus comes, 
He has a vision of the Holy Spirit descending on him. And he says, this is the one who is to come. He believed this so strongly that when some of his disciples went and followed Jesus, he said, yes, that's the right move. Stop following me. Start following him. That is the one who is to come. He believed this so strongly that he is now in prison for his witness. And now something has happened or not happened where John is saying, Jesus, are you the one who is to come? Am I supposed to be waiting for another? Do you see the disappointment of his expectations here? Not only is he not getting what he expected, but there's a cost now, right? Now, what is it that John is disappointed in? What is Jesus not doing? Well, most Jews, most faithful Jews at this time, they had an understanding that the Messiah was going to come and start smiting. He was going to smite the heck out of the wicked. Jesus doesn't seem to be smiting anybody. He was especially going to start a revolution and lead them to a military victory of kicking out the Roman oppressors. Jesus doesn't look like doing that at all. He has not gathered together a revolution. He has not come to bust John out of prison. Much easier in those days. Hey, he's not getting what he wanted. And you know what else? Do you see what, when they reported these things to John? You know what Jesus has been doing in the, in the previous two episodes of this chapter? He's been healing people. And not only that, he healed a Roman centurion's servant, an officer in the Roman army. The very people he's supposed to be killing, he's instead helping. He's instead showing God's grace too. So all of these things combining to disappoint John's expectations, and now there's this cost that he's in prison. He's saying, is this worth it? Is this the one I've been waiting for? Is following Jesus what I should be doing? The day after Christmas is maybe the right time to bring up the fact that many followers of Christ, and this isn't everybody, but many of you are terrified to say it, but at some point in your walk with Jesus, you have faced disappointment. It isn't what you expected. You were kind of expecting something different. Maybe, maybe you were expecting that, that following Jesus was going to kind of grease your path and your career and, and you'd have a really successful life. Isn't that what that one verse in Jeremiah is all about that everybody quotes and I'm sure that that's what Jeremiah meant. I have great plans for you. And that's not happened for you. You're like, wait a second. This, is, this isn't what I signed up for. I thought following Jesus meant a successful life. Or maybe you expected that following Jesus was going to be punching your ticket to having a great family. A great marriage and a great family. And it hasn't quite happened for you. And you're looking at the watch and you're saying, you know, I'm kind of getting up there in years. And, and I expected that God would bring me to the person. And that we'd have our chosen number of children. And our family dynamics would look the way I would want them to look. You know, kids are super happy with me all the time. Treat me with lots of respect. <laughs> <laughs> and that hasn't happened for any of us. 
<laughs> Maybe you thought that following Jesus meant that you get to be part of like an ideal community where all the best parts and none of the bad parts of Acts are, are happening everywhere. And, you know, it was just this amazing community that's everything you could have dreamed and the leaders are the best leaders in the world. And you've never seen that. That's not living up to your expectations. Or maybe you thought that you that following Jesus meant you would have constant, intense spiritual experiences. Like spiritual experiences that were so deep, so profound, that it makes up for all the other deficits in your life. Yeah, maybe I don't have money, maybe I don't have success, maybe I haven't got the family, but man, the, these spiritual experiences that I have make up for all of it. And, and, and you know what? Sometimes you do have those intense experience, spiritual experiences, but they're not as frequent, not as reliable as maybe you'd hope they'd be. Maybe you thought that following Jesus was going to be sort of the last problem you solve. And once this piece of your life is in order, everything just, it all works out. All the questions are answered. All the problems are solved. And that's not what's happened. And then you start looking at the cost. Little costs, like, I have to be in fellowship with people I don't necessarily like. Every church I've gone to, you know, there's always that one person. I'm committed. They're my brother in Christ, my sister in Christ, and I've got to deal with them. But man, that, that's, 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 that's in the negative column of following Jesus, if I'm honest with myself. Or for a lot of people, and I hear, I counsel a lot of people who, who say these when they're honest, I can't do the things I want to do sexually. You know, following Jesus means that, that I have to live a life that's faithful to, faithful to the Lord, and I can't just do whatever I want. I don't know if that's a cost I'm willing to pay. Or the cost of, like, when you follow Jesus, you have to believe some things that a lot of people in our culture find unacceptable, whether socially or theologically. You, you have to, like, yeah, we're bound to obey Jesus in what we believe, and that's a cost to pay. Some of us, might feel bound to stay in a, a marriage we don't like very much because we know that to be faithful to the Lord is to, be, is to work on a tough marriage. And that's a cost you don't know if you want to pay. And I've seen a lot of people bail, hit the eject button, say, well, if that's what it costs to follow Jesus, eject. All of the disappointments and then the cost combined with it, I'm out. But we do face these disappointments. And let's be honest, we do. What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to just hide it away, sweep it under the rug, and, and hopefully it never becomes a real problem? No. No. Just like with me reading The Invisible Man, when you face those disappointments, if we press on through them, we find that it's even better than what we expected. Now that I've read both Invisible Man and The Invisible Man, I much prefer Invisible Man. Much better book. In the same way, Jesus is even better than our expectations if we can be honest with our disappointment and press through it. So what are we to do? When we hit these points of disappointment, it's to remember. Remember three things. Remember what God has promised. 
Remember that Jesus is faithful when we doubt and remember God's big picture. Outline, folk, there's your outline. Remember what God has promised. Remember that Jesus is faithful when we doubt and remember God's big picture. So first of all, remember what God has promised and fulfilled. Let's take a look at how Jesus responds to John. Okay, Look at verse 20 with me. When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? In that hour, Jesus, he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight and he answered them. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. So Jesus, in answer, heals a bunch of people. And and, and he heals specific to several texts of prophecies of the coming Messiah from Isaiah. And he does like a a potpourri of Isaiah prophecies. He's like, is this an answer for you? What he's saying is, nowhere in the Old Testament does it say the Messiah starts a revolution. It says he sets the people free. doesn't say he's going to smite the Gentiles. But it does say that he's going to heal the blind, or he's going to give the blind their sight, set the captives free, and, and all these other things. He's saying to John, remember what God has promised. A lot of the time, our disappointments come from expecting fulfillment of promises that were never promised. Just like what John is doing right here. There was a a woman who was a, a poet and hymn writer, lived about 120 years ago, named Annie Johnson Flint. And Annie Johnson Flint, her, her, um, when she was a teenage girl, her, her life's ambition was to be a concert pianist. But in her 20s, she developed such debilitating arthritis that, that she couldn't play the piano at all. And by the time that she was late in life, she was doubled over, under four feet tall, because her body was so racked with the pain of arthritis. And she wrote these words. God has not promised sun without rain. Joy without sorrow, peace without pain. God has not promised we shall not know toil and temptation, trouble and woe. He has not told us we shall not bear many a burden, many a care, but he has promised strength for the day, rest for the labor, light for the way, grace for the trials, help from above, unfailing sympathy, undying love. We need to remember when we face these disappointments, we need to remember what God has promised and fulfilled. Real quick, there's nowhere in Scripture where God promises that you have a successful career. That verse in Jeremiah 29.11 is misapplied. Nowhere in Scripture is it promised that you have an easy life, perfect health, affluence, a great family life, Does God often do these things? Yes, but it is not a promise. When we look at what God has promised and fulfilled, right, things that we can historically look at and say, demonstrated, done. He did promise a Messiah would come. 
a Messiah who would suffer for the sin of his people. That happened, folks. He promised the Messiah would be of the line of David. Jesus was of the line of David. He promised he would be born in Bethlehem. Check. Okay? Like, those are 500 years and 500-600 years in advance, those prophecies. I'm going to do this. And God did it. Not only that, it is prophesied that the gospel would reach to the ends of the earth. Here we are at the ends of the earth, hearing the gospel. I'm looking around at people whose ancestors are from all over the planet. Okay? That it was promised and fulfilled. Jesus promised that he would die and rise again. Fulfilled. Look at the other promises that we don't get to see fulfilled yet. Remembering we have a God who fulfills promises. That he's with you. That the Holy Spirit is working in your life. That whatever you go through, that all things must work together for your good. That not a hair can fall from your head without God knowing. Those are promises that do not fail and we can trust Him. Jesus also promised that He would return that he would renew creation, that you and I would have resurrected bodies, eternal life. He promised an end to oppression, to racism, and the rest of it. We need to remember, in those times of disappointment, am I actually disappointed in what God has promised or something I have mistakenly taken to be a promise? Am I expecting something that God promised? And then remember what God has promised and fulfilled. But there's still a fear. For some of you guys, you're squirming, whether online or, or here. You're squirming. You're like, ooh, so I'm supposed to say out loud that I'm struggling in my faith? Because we kind of have, it's kind of like, it's kind of like we're around the table with Darth Vader. You ever notice how everybody was real nervous around Darth Vader? Remember in that in the first movie, episode four? And, and Darth Vader has talked about some plan, the Force will accomplish this, and some guy voices his doubt. And Vader says, famously, I find your lack of faith disturbing. And then proceeds to force choke him, which you got to respect how much money they saved on special effects by making this his main power. <clears throat> right? That's pretty cool. But there's a reason people were nervous around Vader. They didn't want to express doubt because they could get force choked. And a lot of us have a Vader, very Vaderish Jesus in mind. That if we say out loud, or we say to God, or we say to anyone, I'm struggling, I'm disappointed, this isn't living up to my expectations or what have you, that we're going to get the, the Jesus equivalent of a force choke. Okay? <laughs> How does Jesus respond to John the Presbyterian? John the Baptist. I'm kidding, guys. It's an old joke. It sucks. I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. Is anybody surprised at how Jesus responded to John? Like, it, John, Jesus is healing people. And John's like, is this really the Messiah? He healed a centurion's servant. That can't be right. Where is the body slam? 
from Jesus. It doesn't happen, does it? In fact, instead, look with me at verses 24 through 28. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you see? What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind that's like a weakling, a, a, a shrinking violet. That's the idea. A reed shaken by the wind. What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. I actually believe the Greek could be translated fancy man. Did you go out to see a fancy man or a shrinking violet? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom is, it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Does it sound like Jesus is soured on John? Does it sound like he's bummed at John, like he's disappointed in John? Not at all. Did he misunderstand John's doubt? No, he gets it. He gets it. There's a, a, a quote from Paul in the book of 2 Timothy where there's a, a, a song or a, a, a saying that's circulating among Christians and, and Paul says, hey, this is a good one. You know how you guys say this? This is worthy of full acceptance. This is what he says about Jesus. This saying is trustworthy for if we have died with him, we also will live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. That's what we see Jesus doing here, being faithful when John is shaky, doubting. We need to remember that Jesus is faithful when we doubt. Guys, when we keep secret our struggle in the faith, our disappointment, it takes on so much more power in the dark. As a secret, it's far more powerful. When you say these things out loud to God in prayer, when you say them to someone you trust who walks with you, it, it's, it's amazing what happens. It's, it's like sunlight into darkness. The power of this terrible secret that's eating you up inside all of a sudden dissipates. Right? When you say out loud, I'm struggling, I'm doubting, I'm disappointed, the cost is high, this isn't what I thought it'd be. It, it's amazing that the power that leaches out of that secret that you're holding inside. Remember, nothing bad happens. Jesus does not reject you when you're doubting. He is faithful, even when we doubt. Now, some of you at this point might be thinking that I'm saying downgrade your hopes and expectations, right? That you need to settle. If you don't expect too much from God, you'll be fine. That's not what I'm saying. There was once a um, really, really interesting person, actually, named Frederick Olmsted. Frederick Olmsted was a landscape architect when landscape ar architecture wasn't really a thing. And he approached landscapes the same way an architect approached a building. 
except instead of working with brick and mortar, he was working with hills and lagoons and water and, and trees and plants and all that. And, and he actually designed Central Park. That was him. Um, the Biltmore Estates in Asheville, North Carolina, if you know what that is. The Capitol grounds at the Capitol building. That, that, that's Frederick Olmsted. And people had a really hard time wrapping their minds around what he was doing. They would look and say, he made a bush. There's a bush there. And he would be like, you Philistine, you know? He says, no, I didn't make a bush. You, you, you can't just look at one piece. It's meant to be walked through, to, seen as a, to be seen as a whole. The, to take the paths, to, to, to take in the whole thing and how it all works together. Not, not this myopic focus, but a big focus. And also people would, would look at what he did and say, hey, this is pretty good. He says, you know what, don't judge my work for 40 years. Because the way the plants naturally grow and spread and all that, he's like, you can't, we're, we're, I'm thinking 40 years ahead. It's not going to be what I, what I want it to be for, for another 40 years. So judge it then. So he's saying, don't just look at one piece. Look at the whole. Don't look at it right now. Look at it over time. Okay? And he's saying, not just, not just here now, but big picture over time. I'm going to venture a guess and say that you and I feel encouraged or discouraged by a very thin sample size. How am I doing right now? Then I feel discouraged or encouraged. That is setting yourself up for a roller coaster. You know, that is not something to build your life on. How am I doing right now? If you feel like you're spinning your wheels in your career right now, you're like, I'm disappointed in everything. Everything's terrible. I'm not sure my faith in Jesus is working out or worth it. Because you're focusing on you, just you right now. You're like, hey, I, I voted the right way the last two elections. I'm not seeing the social change I want to see. Okay, again, focusing on just right now. Now, John also was focusing on where he was right then and what he was seeing right then. And he, wasn't, and he was disappointed because of that. He wasn't seeing what he had hoped. Does John's disappointment in, in what Jesus was doing mean Jesus was off track? Did it mean God's plan wasn't working because of how disappointed John was with his situation right now? Look at what Jesus says in verses 29 through 30. He says, when all, it says, when all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they declared God just, having been baptized with the baptism of John. So who, who is calling God just? The tax collectors. Does anybody remember how terrible tax collectors are? These are the lowest of the low. And what are they doing? They're coming to Jesus. They're declaring God just. How? We see it's because of John. John prepared the way for people to come to Jesus. What did Isaiah say the voice in the wilderness would do? Prepare the way to come to Jesus. John isn't seeing that, is he? Now look at the next part in verse 30. 
But the Pharisees and the lawyers, these were the good guys in the culture, rejected the purpose of God for themselves not having been baptized by him. Another thing that John's mission, the, the, the voice prepared for, was that the, the wheat and the chaff would be separated. And these Pharisees are revealed as the chaff. Is God off mission? No, right on target. Was John used to accomplish God's big picture mission? Yeah. John isn't quite getting it though, is he? Why? He's focused on himself right then. He's failing to see God's big picture. You and I are so myopic. And you know what? The the pains and concerns of our lives do matter. Don't hear me say they don't. But a lot of the time, we are so discouraged because we're so myopic. We can't lift our eyes up to see God's picture, either outside of our own concerns or over time. Listen, God cares about your job. God cares about your family. God cares about your health. All of those things matter. Not a hair can fall from your head, folks. Insert bald joke here. (laughs) <laughs> but but we need we need more kingdom vision. We need to remember God's big picture. When we're feeling discouraged because of my here and now, look lift up your eyes. See what God is doing. Look at how the gospel is spreading right now through the two-thirds world, through South America, through Africa, through the Middle East, through Asia. All over the place, we are seeing our hopes come true. Rejoice that, especially those of us who have been at this church for several years, and we're seeing so many seeds we planted and watered with seeing nothing for a long time, and we're seeing them become plants. Rejoice. Rejoice for how your contributions to the kingdom that you will one day see how you're lifting boxes, teaching kids, taking care of menial things, sharing the gospel with someone who spits in your face and doesn't seem to respond. What, there is a day coming when you're going to see how God uses all of that. Don't judge it now. Look at God's big picture. We need to remember God's big picture when we're disappointed with the here and now. I'm not saying downgrade your expectations. I'm saying upgrade them. I'm saying blow them up. I'm saying look up and see that Jesus is even better than our expectations. In 1934, there was a 15-year-old girl who actually lived in foster care, and she, uh, on a dare from another girl who she lived with, um, she signed up for Amateur Night at the Apollo. And um, for those of you who ever watched Amateur Night at the Apollo, it is a rough crowd. Okay, Any slip up, they will hammer you. And she knew this, but did it on a dare. Her name was Ella. And Ella had a plan. She was a dancer. And so she got up at Amateur Night terrified and, and, and she got called up, and she was ready to dance, but the, there was a couple that went on before her 
that in Harlem were like local superstars of dance. And she was like, oh no, I can't follow that with a dance. She literally walked out onto the stage not knowing what she was gonna do. And Ella Fitzgerald started singing and botched the first few notes of the song and the audience turned on her and immediately. And then the, the MC actually came out and said, give her another chance, give her another chance, and they did. And then she launched into just a random pop song and, and, and brought the house down. Within a week, she, she was signed as a professional singer and so began the career of the greatest singer in music history, Ella Fitzgerald. Not what she expected. At first, she had to be incredibly disappointed terrified, seeing her, her expectations collapse. But what happened was even better than what she expected. When we find ourselves disappointed in what's happening right now, we need to, we need to press on and find out that Jesus is even better than our expectations to remember what God has promised and fulfilled, to remember that Jesus is faithful when we doubt and remember God's big picture. Please pray with me. Jesus, I pray that you would bind up the brokenhearted. I pray that those of us who carry burdens this morning would lay them at your feet, that those of us who are struggling would find encouragement in your response to, to John all those years ago that we would press on and find that you do not disappoint our expectations, but that you're even better than what we expect. In Jesus' name, amen.